0: That's a snippet of a song called Together from Ricky Bird's new album, Sobering Times. Hello, this is Goldmine editor Patrick Prince, and welcome back to the Goldmine Podcast. A proud part of the Pantheon family of podcasts. For first-time listeners, Goldmine Magazine is the collector's magazine that's been around since 1974. We cover everything from record collecting, CD collecting, collecting music memorabilia, and just collectibles in general. And we interview artists who you've grown up collecting. In other words, We're also big on music history, especially centered in the era of rock and roll. So, as you heard from that music clip, the song Together, it's a catchy little number by singer-songwriter Ricky Bird, the Rock and Roll Hall of Famer, the 2015 inductee with Joan Jett and the Blackhearts, and the album Sobering Times, as the title might suggest, is about recovery. Ricky Bird has been on a 30 plus year mission to deliver his message of hope to those recovering from addiction. It's right there in the music, as he puts it himself the roller coaster of emotions and everyday trials of recovery from hitting rock bottom to the gratitude of surviving and thriving in a sober life. Uh, Ricky Bird is also a recovery coach a drug and alcohol counselor, and he visits schools, rehab facilities, detention and detox centers, where he performs, talks, and he leads recovery music groups. Uh, In fact, he gave away thousands of copies of his last album, Clean Getaway, uh, at these facilities so they could take the music home, um, the message of recovery home with them. And Bird also has a great bunch of collaborators on this album. Jeff Casey of Southside Johnny and the Asbury Jukes, he plays keyboards. Steve Holly of Wings, Ian Hunter, and Joe Cocker played drums. Also playing drums, Liberty DeVito of Billy Joel fame, also Rich Pagano of the Fab Foe, and Tommy Price of the Blackhearts. And additionally, he collaborated with Willie Nile. A great duet on here, on this album, Sobering Times, called Recover Me. And also collaborated where he co-wrote a song with Emily Duff called Ain't Gonna Live Like That. You know, Ricky timed this release of the album Sobering Times for the end of September this year to coincide with the 33 years ago to the day that he started his sobriety. And currently the CD is available at rickybird.com. So let's hook up with Ricky and let's talk about Sobering Times and the mission that he's on.
1: Pat, it's Ricky Bird.
0: How are you, man? Um, cool. Sobering Times is an album, you know, it's about recovery, which is, correct me if I'm wrong, but the define it would be the struggle between sobriety and addiction, right? Is that how you would yeah. define it? Okay.
1: That's, that's good. It's, it's the... Um, I mean the the songs uh they go from addiction not in order but addiction recovery hope change for the better you know it's it's all about it's all about recovery that's the umbrella I guess
0: Now you know for people listening to this what how would you maybe you could tell them because they might not know how you got on the road to sobriety and how you have spread the word about sobriety to other musicians to other musicians in the industry and to other um, people who are struggling
1: well okay so i'm not i 'm not anonymous about my recovery um some people are I am anonymous about my means uh because that's um you know that's why there's anonymous programs but um i you i started using i started smoking pot when I was thirteen and um you know and and by the time I stopped eighteen years later i was i was pretty that's pretty wonky, my friend. You know? Yes, <laughs> like the last ten years were pretty brutal. I mean, I, I think stuff started to go downhill um, quicker uh, in in the late seventies, early eighties, when when cocaine became a word that I understood. Right. Um, as you know, as opposed to seeing stuff in movies and on TV. So, yeah, I mean, like um, I I went down that uh, rabbit hole, and um, in nineteen eighty seven, actually, September twenty fifth, nineteen eighty seven is is when I um, walked into my first community support group meeting and um, I've been clean and sober ever since so so uh, so now I'm this guy uh, and I'm touring sober which um, you change you need to change your whole method of thinking and touring so you can't really um, hang out the way you used to hang out right right and and, and, and you have to you have to Oh, I don't know what the, you have to put like a, a rope around, like a velvet rope around you, so you don't get tempted. Right. So um, uh, at the think, I think at the beginning, I was hanging out in rooms when people were still drinking and drugging, and you know it was told to me very early on by people in recovery. Yeah, it might not be a good idea. Right. So I would I would start to go back to my room uh, and phone people, call people, and lean on people, uh, other people that were clean and sober. Um, I stopped hanging out at the bar. I mean, at the beginning, you know, then later I would, I could sit at a bar table and have a club soda, but, you know, it was quite a while before I did that. And, um, you just try to put up your, you know, your best defense. Um, and when I would pull into town, well, let's put it this way. Um, well, first of all, let me, let me preface it with this. I, I have, I was never a guy that, like, was drunk on stage or, mm. you know, over medicated something. Did I smoke a, a joint before I went on stage? Yeah, absolutely. Not every time, but I'm saying, you know, yeah. Did I, did I have to have a couple of Heineken's throughout the show? Sure. But I was never trashed on stage. Maybe, uh, on one hand. I <laughs> do all yeah. my time in, in bands. And, and I tried to actually, um, you know, I tried to do Coke before a show. It didn't work for me at all. Uh, problem with that is like, you know, five minutes later you want more and you're like in the middle right. of a song. So, um, so I just didn't do that. But after the show, traveling—you know, either staying in town or traveling on the bus to the next place—complete madness. Yeah. Um, and when we were off the road, complete madness.
0: Yeah, I've heard Johnny I Cash.
1: Woods, I remember Ronnie Wood said that his problems were really when he was off the road. Mm. You know. Um, so so, so that's that was that was the deal, right? And I just and and the last. 10 years were brutal out of 18. Mm. Um, and I didn't really realize I had a problem. I'm Listen, I, I was, you know, I was all involved in, uh, you know, people say, well, did everybody get high? It's like, no, but the people I got, used to hang with, did. Right. And not everybody on the road was drinking a drug. like, no, no, but those are the people I wanted to hang out with, right? Well, the, plus
0: the it last was. Thing you want is
1: people ju- the last thing you want is people judging you. Right, and that was this time.
0: late seventies and eighties, where it was more um, part yeah. part of the culture. Um, it was less accepted if you were trying to be sober. Now, I was going to ask you, is it? I hate the word use use the word easier, but it, is it better for an entertainer? Because I am not going to just center on musicians because this is about entertainers too because i think johnny cash put it that when you're on the road constantly you know you take something to sleep you take something to wake up you take something to get through you know yeah yeah. so it's about entertainers it's about being in show business um do you think people are more acceptable
1: i i I was like that before i was in the music business per se like i you know when i was still playing in bands and weren't signed or anything Dude, I was a bike messenger in New York for a while. I was taking freaking amphetamines like Johnny Cash to, to just be yeah. up all day.
0: <laughs> right, right. You know,
1: and and I take it first thing in the morning, and I'd be zipping through the day with you know packages on my bike, and and and, and like a like a cigarette case full of joints. You know, right. so I mean, I, I have this thing. My 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 dad, his father, both died um, of this uh, of the disease of alcoholism. So like you know th- that part of it's in my genes. Um, as far as it being easier, well, I, I think that the, and I'm, and listen, trust me, I'm really not entrenched in the music business anymore. I'm like, you know, I put these records out, but I, I'm not like part of the, like, I don't know what's going on. But I do know, since there's not as much money being made in the rock and roll business, I would tend to think that... Um, being a um, drugged-out guitar player is a lot less accepted than it used to be. Right, right. Because as long as you're making money for the record company, I guess you got away with a lot of shit. Yes. You know, so probably the hammer came down a little bit. And I know there's there's great uh, uh, programs like Music Cares, which is part of the uh, the Recording Academy. Um, They have Music Cares, and Music Cares is a place where people in the entertainment business could call on if they need to get into treatment or if they're you know i've done stuff with them you know um i've done some um like groups for uh musicians that are new in recovery um so yeah it's way accepted i i think when i when i first got into recovery you know i don't know there was the betty ford clinic there were probably a a handful of very well-known rehab centers i didn't go to rehab i just started going to community support group meetings Mm. and took Um, but now there's like rehabs all over the country, Yeah, you
0: know?
1: Um, so is it easier? There's probably less stuff on, I mean, like I said, I'm not on the road with people, so I don't have a clue. I mean, you still watch TMZ and you still see people that are in rehab every three weeks. Yes. Yes. But I would think that, um, it's easier to find recovery now because it's out there and it's so public and it's Mm. not as shameful, even though there's still a stigma, it's not, A shameful thing like it used to be Mm -hmm. and some may think it's even trendy Mm -hmm. you know you could call it what you want as long as you're on the right side of the grass i don't give a rat's ass what you call it
0: that's a good point you know
1: just just don't die
0: yeah (laughs) and these these are times when it could be especially hard uh for people you know isolation has got to make it harder well
1: i always say uh addiction thrives on isolation yeah that's when that's when the voices start telling you that you know you need to get high to get through yeah. this or yeah. uh, you could do it just this last time or um you won't do as much um so uh yeah to answer to your question uh, to to your point yeah um this pandemic since march i think the relapse and od rate has gone up like 30 35 40% mm. so i'm i'm very sorry for um people that are kind of considering going into recovery, they never quite made it into a group or something like that. And, yeah. and then this happened and then you're alone with your thoughts. And
0: yeah,
1: you know, the one thing you do in the middle, when New York was like crazy in March with all, all the deaths here, um, when we, when we had it really bad, you know, if you're, if you're, if you have that craving obsession, you'll convince yourself it's okay to go out and cop. Yes. Period. Yeah. Period.
0: Yeah. yeah. Yeah,
1: you know, so well, it it's was... a rough world, but but there's a solution, and I found it, and um, and I'm happy to share that knowledge with anybody that um, reaches out and needs help, because that's part of my responsibility as somebody that's been given a different life. Uh, you know, and make no mistake about it, I've made 101 freaking personality uh, life mistakes in recovery, but I I have not picked up a, I have not felt the need to pick up a drink or a drug, which is like really the victory.
0: Well, we had a, a goldmine reader write in, um, and oh, cool. w- wanted to get your reaction to this. He happens to be a mental health and substance misuse speaker, coach, advocate, and he didn't like how the word junkie came up in an interview in our pages. Uh, he said, and I quote, calling someone a junkie, you might as well call them a piece of shit, which I know your writer didn't mean, or at least I'm going to assume he didn't mean, but man, that's rough. The accepted language is shifting, and thinking has changed so strongly in the last decade. I know it's tough to keep up. Um, what, what do you do think? I think? Well, you know, there'll be some who think it might be too politically correct, and others who think it's very appropriate. So, that's coming from someone well, who is in so, the yeah, trenches. Yeah, I get it,
1: and and listen, I went to school two years ago and got certified as a counselor and recovery coach counselor in training, I need a certain amount of hours, but obviously, I can't work at a place right now. Right. But um, um, that came up a lot, like, the, the, you know, getting rid of the stigma that, you know, they're trying to change the language, like they don't say uh, substance abuse anymore. It's substance use disorder. Yes. Uh, does it help? What the hell do I know? You know, I mean, I don't mind, you know, I, it doesn't the words don't offend me. Right. Um, if you if you do the history and find out what a junkie is, um, in 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 the uh you know early twentieth century well when even before that maybe uh, when somebody was an opium uh mm-hmm. or a morphine user and they used to sell metal um for for their get high it was they were called junkies
0: mm. Interesting. How do you like that yeah William Burroughs so, used to um, use it all the time, and he was you
1: know of course and and you know what i've actually asked. In, in, in treatment, like I've, I've because it came up a lot of times, um, and I've asked some of the clients in treatment. Does that word offend you? And I've not one of them has, has said yeah. yeah. But I understand the the want to lessen the stigma. Yes. Of of addiction, and and if That's that a good point. is a good thing. Fabulous. Yep.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think you have the great <laughs> attitude that you carry. Is as long as people, as long as it works for people, getting sober recovery works for people
1: you you know you don't care how (laughs) right um i when i do my recovery music groups i the first thing i say is i am not here to push 12-step programs right whatever keeps you on the right side of the grass is a good thing right and then i i turn it you know i I get humorous i say listen if if you know if you want to go to 12-step fabulous you know Um, if you, uh, if going to church keeps you clean and sober, excellent. If you join a bowling league and it keeps you sober, clean and sober. Terrific. You know, I mean, there's, there's a lot of different ways now. I know which way worked for me, but I am not a preacher. I can only say, Hey, you know, this is why I'm clean and sober almost 33 years. Um, if you want to try it, you know, let me know. I will, I'd be happy to take you to where the action is. Um, and, and that's it but I'm very like keep it simple guy like I don't I don't um, I don't want to preach I don't want to you don't want to scare people off right you know you, you know ha- This harm reduction you know uh, as far as harm reduction as long as it leads to recovery uh, it's a good thing
0: well music definitely helps and uh, this album I was going to ask you how do you think Sobering Times delivers your message differently than your last album Clean Getaway
1: um well, I—I I, I mean, the basis of it is the same. Uh, but what I think—I I, first of all, I think I'm even better at writing these kinds of songs. Mm-hmm. I try every one of these songs out before I even get to the point of recording them. I try them out with my acoustic guitar in a treatment facility. Hmm. Even the real loud ones, I strip down, you know, and try it. And then I do it once in acoustic, and I say, well, I, it's a great song, but I can't play it on acoustic. <laughs> um, so, uh, w- why do I know it's a good song? Because of the reaction I get from the clients and treatment mm. in treatment, in my recovery music groups. Like, if they come over to me and they say, "You know that that third song you did, man. Uh, you know, I ain't gonna live like that no more. You know, yeah. man, it, it gave me the chills. Like, you, you you told my story or something. Then I know I'm on the right track. Right. And um, so, so what did I do on this record that was different than Clean Getaway? Is I wanted to have a bigger lane. So, I made a few of the songs not as drug and alcohol specific, and there's some gratitude songs on there. Yes. And there's stuff that don't, don't mention drugs and alcohol. It's just about changing your life for the better. Mm. You know, and part of it's a little selfish. I wanted to see if I can get some airplay, because the more airplay I get, the more people hear it, and the more people hear it. Maybe somebody's out there. Sitting alone in their living room, right? You know, uh, uh, and they want to go out and cop or go to the bar or something like that, and, and maybe something that's in the lyrics. They go, "Huh, that's interesting."
0: Yeah, that's your message. Maybe I won't today. I mean, you've given away thousands of copies of Clean Getaway.
1: Well, that's an so- uh, yeah, that's another thing. I, I would um, when I do these music groups, I bring a stack of uh, you know fifty to one hundred of of Clean right. Getaway. To the treatment facility, right. and I give them to the clinical director, and then I announce to the to the clients and group. I say, when you complete, which is you know is, is slang for when you complete your treatment, um, there's a copy of this waiting uh, for you. And if they run out, you find me on social media and uh, you p- p- private message me, and I'd be happy to email you send you one. Yeah, because- and uh, I've had I've had over the last four years, you know. Probably fifty people have like actually messaged me, and I've sent them copies of it. Otherwise, they they took them home from treatment, and then they they always find me and they say, "Hey, man, I'm still listening to that. And I got like six months clean." Or you know, and like you know, what more could you ask for as an artist or as somebody in recovery?
0: Yeah, because music is the I think the most positive thing to soothe you when you're isolated or alone. Um, you could feel as you're part of it. You know what I'm saying? Um,
1: well it did for me when I was a kid yes well, absolutely. who do you, who do you run to in the in the 70s who did you run to when your girlfriend broke up with you <laughs> you ran to Al Green
0: yeah I, I ran not, to all sorts of so, artists on you turned uh, you know but uh, you, you get what I'm,
1: you get my'm yeah, right? like yeah. you
0: know? so tired of being alone <laughs> I'm so, you know. yeah exactly so, okay. that was pretty so, good
1: so, yeah, music, music heals. Um uh,
0: <laughs> well you got a lot of different influences here. You can you can hear them. I, I hear Bruce Springsteen, uh Stones. Oh,
1: which song? Tell me which song.
0: Uh Bruce Springsteen, I gotta look back, but there was this this one song that was like, Oh my god, that's that sounds like Bruce. So hold on, let me look at the Swampy.
1: Was it Tired, the song Tired?
0: I think it was, yeah, Tired, which actually to me, Tired has that has that sort of has a sort of uh, country feel too, don't you think?
1: Country I think rock. it has more of like. I, I think it more, has more of like a, like a, a a swampy kind of faces, you know, or or even 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 like 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 um, can enhance even hands to yourself. I uh, yes. The, what were they called? The-
0: Georgia satellites. <laughs>
2: shadows in the rain, always looking for something in the pain. I'm tired, tired, tired. Cross my heart and hope not to die. Gotta leave this trouble life behind. I'll
1: chat that right. So here's the deal my music um is a product of everything i listened to from the age of 13 to you know my 20s right i grew up in a great time uh i was a teenager in the 70s so like i got great sources to pull from that i was in love with so that's who i am as a guitar player as a songwriter i'm a product of all that stuff there's a little blues there's a little swampy right. rock and roll there's a you know there's some glam like the second song together is just a big yeah. glam song
0: yeah
1: i mean we could have done it in the black hearts you know i mean it's if, and that's why Tommy Price is. I asked him to play on it, the drummer that played with me um, in one of the versions of the Black Hearts um, that I was in.
0: I think that's your best so, song on the album because it's so damn catchy.
1: Well, that's good. So, so here's the, the here's the Bruce thing. So I so I, I write this song right, and I had it up until it ended before it starts again. Mm. And um, I was watching. I just happened to catch on, I don't know, on YouTube or Netflix, I caught a, a, a concert from Spain of, of Bruce, and he did a song called Ramrod.
0: <laughs>
1: and, and I've listened, and I went, I heard a, five different versions of it, it's always a different speed, but this one version from Spain, he does that fake ending, and he's making all these cool faces, and he's on stage, and there's thousands of people, you know, 70,000 people. And the song ends, and then he goes, two, three, and he starts, and it's like a fake ending, like three times. And the crowd's going crazy, and I said, I need a fake ending on this song, man. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking, hopefully, I'll get to go out and, and do these songs live. So that's, yes, I completely uh, stole the idea from Bruce, from Rap Rise. Not for the song, but for the fake ending.
0: I think I heard a little in the Merle Haggard song you covered too, "The Bottle Let Me Down," uh, which is yes,
1: I love that song.
0: Which is a great song to uh, get your message across.
1: Many times, because um, I Googled it to see. And I just went, you know what? I don't care. I like it. So I did it my way, which is that sl- sl- sloppy kind of drunken sailor rock and roll yep. without the without the drunken. And um, and that song in particular, I finished after uh, lockdown. So we finished the record. I had like 17 songs. I narrowed it down to 15. So uh, I, I narrowed it down to 12. And then the rest of them... There were like three completed ones and a couple that I never really went further. Um, and I had a second cover song. I cut a really cool version of Reach Out, I'll Be There, uh, which uh, it sounds great. Uh, you know, the Four Tops tune. And that was going to be my cover song. And and just by coincidence, there was a commercial in New York. Um, maybe it was countrywide, I don't know. But it was in, in New York uh, for something, a car car insurance or school or something. And it was this really, uh, I mean, I don't want to insult anybody, but it was kind of a bland version of, of Reach Out, I'll Be There. And I said, you know what, let me hold off on this one. So now I'm short, I, I wanted to have a cover. And so when pandemic started, when the lockdown started, I was listening to some of the tracks that mm-hmm. I had left over. And, and what I had from Bottle Let Me Down was, uh, because I don't have a band, so I have to piecemeal everything so what i had was a uh rhythm guitar track me um a a good one though that's the one that's on there um i had a scratch vocal so what that means is like i played you know i play my guitar to a click track Mm. and then i just sing it and then tommy price was there for another song for together i said hey let me play you something and he played on that one and he played on bottle let me down um so that's what i had drums scratch vocal and one guitar and I was saying, So the the most important thing is the is the vocal. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, you know what? That ain't half bad. <laughs> For just like one take straight through. You know, just turn to hit record. Um and I said, Let's work on this one. So what happened was Bob Stander, my co producer, whose studio it is called Pars Cheesy Studios in Huntington, Long Island, he put bass on it uh then we sent it to jeff kazee who plays with Southside johnny and the mm-hmm. jukes who i played with for a couple of minutes for a cup of coffee as they say in baseball um and um jeff played uh keyboards on it and also so i couldn't do backgrounds right so i said i i, I emailed jeff and i said give me some keith harmonies you know seventh so that's that's him singing the harmonies to my my choruses and and then i didn't have a guitar break but I loved what I did in the rhythm, uh, like for the solo, what I played on rhythm, very kind of Brian Jonesy, scrappy key. Yeah. So I told Bob, I mean, Bob is a great guitar player. I said, uh, and a great bass player, of course. I said, play, you, you do the, you play, uh, give me a lead track. But when, don't, don't riff on the solo. Follow what I'm doing because it's, it's cool. I don't want, I don't want to do a riffing kind of solo. So that's Bob playing that. He's playing the lead. And then we just mixed it. And there you go. Well, you say you don't... And it fits great.
0: You said that you don't have a band, but you got all these people to collaborate with. So I don't know if it was um, just came natural. It seems like the way you talk to it, it, it does. But you also got Emily Duff and Willie Nile. Right. I mean, those are good... Those are...
1: We, yeah, we did it. A... Well, so, so Clean Getaway, I had Bobby Whitlock play on one song. Right. He played on a, uh, the song Clean Getaway. Um I didn't have a lot of special guests. I have a cast of characters. Um Steve Holly uh always plays drums, but this but this one and Bob always plays bass. I always have Christine Allman to sing backgrounds. I had Marge Raymond on the Clean Getaway record, and on this one um same cast of characters. Um the Clean Getaway record I also had Andy Burton play some keyboards, and he plays with um Little Steven in the disciples of soul. And and you know we play together in various events and stuff over the years. And this one I had, uh, uh, Andy was out with Steven, so I, I, he wasn't available. So kazi um, played on, uh, he played all the keyboards. Actually, Andy played on one song, but I wound up not using it. Um, and, and so drums, um, I wanted to use a few of my friends. Um, so I got a Liberty DeVito played on uh, Scarlet Night, and Rich Pagano, who plays with the Fab Faux, played on um, "Quittin' Time. Uh, when I recorded, when I was going to do together the big glam tune, I said uh, Tommy Price has got to play on this. Uh, <laughs> so he played on that, and he played on uh, Bottle let me down. And Steve Holly played on everything else. As far as co-writing, I wanted to try to write as much as possible on my own, just to see if I could do it and see what I can come up with. And, and of course, I'm getting really good at writing these songs, these kind of songs. Right. So, but but I, but I love you know Willie Nile is a, a friend of mine, and I said, dude, let's do a duet. Let's write some. So we wrote two songs together. One of them um, is fabulous, but it didn't make the record yet. I wanted to change some stuff on it um, and, and Recover Me is the other one. And, and I said, oh, let's, let's sing it together, man. So that's that one. And Emily Duff is, is uh, you know, I've seen her play a couple of times. She's got a great spirit, really swampy girl, yeah. you know, great songwriter. And I said, let's, let's try to write something. So I sent her the music and I sent her the, you know, the melody and what I wanted. And then we started writing lyrics together.
0: Yeah, Will, Willie and, Nile, and yeah, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, and
1: everything else besides the Merle Haggard song I wrote. Yeah, the, Reco-
0: the Recover Me song, besides Together, uh, I think it's, uh, well, first it's got one of the best rock riffs on the album. It's just... Uh, <laughs> and
1: that's important.
0: It is it is very important in rock and roll. You know it as You're well as I do. Yeah,
1: yeah.
0: Uh, you got to introduce... i got to admit anybody says
1: to me, somebody says to me, I lost my edge, I'll... I'll Freaking jump off a roof <laughs> you could, you but, could play uh, that song yeah so, so i sent Willie, like home. i always come up with the music i always come up with the music so i sent yeah. Willie the music uh you know like I, I i played it on my phone like on the mm. little mic on your phone and i emailed it to him and he comes back to me uh, almost immediately he says it's called recover me mm. i'm like ah very nice apartment in the west village and we sat on his couch and we wrote the lyrics to
0: this and another song yeah yeah. well listen uh you know you're a huge yankees fan as well as i am uh i'm surprised did you ever reach out to bernie williams to jam with him
1: oh god i've played i've done like three events with him
0: you have
1: i didn't know that we, we yeah we we've done um uh i i do i'm at that Point in age in my life where I'm always asked to play in in these all-star rock bands, hmm. you know, for for like these like charity events. Right. So we actually, me and Bernie, backed up Smokey Robinson at at a, a little kids rock event in Manhattan. I didn't know that. Uh, we were the two we were the two guitar players. Yeah. And and funny because Bernie just wants to talk about guitar playing, and then I'm asking him about switch hitting. <laughs> 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 yeah, he doesn't want to talk about baseball anymore. I'm I, I sure. Said, oh, so now I, said, I said, Do you ever miss it? And
0: he goes, No. Nah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, he always he's played, a great right? Great guy. Great guitar player. A great yeah. guy. Well he's yeah,
0: got he he's gotta get you a gig playing acoustic, the Star Spangled Banner, to open up a, open up a game, man. He just did that oh recently.
1: God. He just did that. That's recently. a little too frightening for me, man. <laughs> I mean, I've had some great Yankee experiences. Like I said, I grew up in the Bronx. Our, yeah. our kitchen window overlooked the stadium. We were at the top of the hill. Mm. Um, and, you know, I would sit there listening to my transistor radio to Mickey Mantle hit a home run, and, right. you know, and you'd hear the roar from the stadium. Yeah. And and then you'd, you'd hear the roar from your radio, right?
0: Pretty cool. Um,
1: yeah, so I remember, this is my good, my good Yankee, one of my good Yankee stories. Well, I mean, I got a ton of them. The year that we were inducted, so... That was in April, right? And it was yep. maybe when? When is it on HBO? It starts. Does it start in May or something like that? It, I think it, it starts in May.
0: Right. Not not this year. Then, but... No, no.
1: 2000, right. Two thousand and fifteen. So right. so, it's on HBO. The induction. And there I am playing with McCartney, and the, like and the all star thing at the end. So I go. She, see, that's the that's one of the years she invited me to the Timers Day. I swear to you, bro. Like I had people coming over to me because it was just on TV. Yeah. So. I had, somebody came over and said uh, Mr. Bird, uh, Ricky Henderson would like to meet you and take a picture. <laughs> and I was like, and I was like, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> you know? So they were taking a picture with Ricky Henderson, Joe Torrey's like, congratulations, man, good job. Good. I'm like, wow, this is like, my grandfather should see this shit. <laughs> you know, David Wells is there. I'm yeah. taking pictures with David Cohn. It's like, yeah, man, we used to listen to you guys all the time. I'm like, no, you did not. You know, <laughs> you know. I mean, uh, I've been a, I've 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 been blessed to be around like like these baseball players. Like I could meet, I mean, maybe if I meet Keith, I would be a little shy. Right. Uh, but um, but musicians, eh? You know, uh, they, to me, they're like peers. You know, like we're right. We're we're all musicians, dude. If I meet baseball players, I'm like an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> really, I am. I swear. I'm surprised Can you
0: haven't. I'm surprised you haven't met Keith yet. Um, that that's. I, surpre- did,
1: I met him like I met him a long, long time ago, right. and then when he had the Winos tour, I met him in the '70s. Yeah, and I met him on the Winos, but briefly, he was walking by, and I and it's yeah. Hey, I, I'm like I was an idiot. I was like, Hey, I'm Ricky. I played with Joe Jett in the Blackwoods. <laughs> ah, nice, mate. You know? <laughs> you know. Yeah, he meets so but many I people. Get, yeah. I, I get to get to play with McCartney and Ringo. So that's right,
0: nice. right. So when after the coronavirus dies down, are you think obviously you're thinking of going on tour, right? Are you going to bring some of these musicians with you? Um,
1: Man, that's a great question. Um, I would love like now I have two CDs filled with yes. rock and roll material. Mm. Um, I definitely have enough for a good opening slot. You know, um, yeah. So where do we play? Like, do we, do, so there, there's a lot of questions. So now let's just make believe that all this stuff is gone now, right? So we're a year from now, and maybe we're back to normal. Maybe. Um, Like, where do you play when you're doing this kind of stuff? Like, yeah, we could do recovery events. Could we play clubs? It would probably, if I want people to be able to come from treatment facilities and in recovery, you Mm -hmm. know, it would have to be, like, non-alcoholic maybe? Right. Well, there are clubs
0: that that do that. There are clubs that do that.
1: Yeah. So there are all those questions. Like, where would I bring this? I mean, listen, any rock fan would come to this thing and just go, "Wow, this yeah. is great rock and roll!" Right? You know, but I want the people that I'm that I'm writing the song for to be able to come. Right, right. You know, so I could do acoustics. The, the thing I miss the most, and I've said this a million times since it started, I do a lot of treatment facilities around the country, and I go to um, schools, high schools, uh, just me and my acoustic. And sometimes I'm a keynote speaker at a recovery event. Um, uh, and there's this place in Jersey that I, I've been going to once a month for the last three years called Turning Point in Patterson.
0: Mm.
1: They expect me there, man. It's like I go in, I come in, hey, Ricky, hey, play this one, play that one. Um, and, and I play to like 70 guys, and then I have lunch, and they bring me over to the women's unit, and I play to like 40 women. And they all, you know, either heard of me from there or know me, and I give out the CDs, and it's like a, I miss that to death, bro. Yeah. I, I just miss the whole thing, man. And, like, I come out of there, like, floating because, you know, I'm playing and then I'm also helping. But
0: it would also be great to hear the rock riff of Recover Me live on stage with a band behind you. You know what I mean?
1: That- oh, no doubt, bro. Come on, man. I want to do that. I, and, and I, yeah, Jeff Kazee, for sure. Steve yep. Holly. You know, because Ian Hunt is off the road. Uh, you know, even... He, he was off the road before this because I know he had some uh, ear problems. Um I would like to do a short thing or at least do something, like like play this stuff. And I said to Willie, like when this thing, you know, when, when this is over, like when you play in the city, let's do recover me. I'll come up yeah. and jump up with you.
0: Well he you is know? the New but, York you know, City guy.
1: <laughs> yes he is. He's a great guy. And um and he's so enthusiastic and and helpful for me. He's just yeah, Rick, you wrote a classic, man. This is a classic. He's the greatest guy. He's just very enthusiastic about other people's music. Um, so you know, yeah, I, I could put a band together in a heartbeat. But you know, it's expensive, and you gotta—you can't lose money. So uh, the, the easiest thing I could do is to go out and play acoustic, but or variables. You could go out acoustic with a keyboard player. You could get mm-hmm. out acoustic with a trio. You could, you right. know. You There's could, a lot of I've done it all, bro. You, you know? could
0: you could white stripe it and uh, have a drummer in you. Yeah, I don't know
1: if I could do that. <laughs> uh, I would I would have to have some sort of like I'd like a bass player or a kid, you know. But I in like in my career I've I've tried it all, except yeah. the white stripe thing.
0: Yes. <laughs> That's not you easy.
1: Uh, <laughs> but I would love to. I would love to. I just want to get back to doing um you know my work where i'm playing to people uh in recovery and right. trying to help some people struggle uh, not struggle as hard
0: uh, as we wrap up okay. here uh, if there's a listener right now thinking of recovery what would you say you know to them briefly is there something you would say to well them?
1: it's the best decision you'll ever make yeah um I, I have not one bad th- have, thing to say about recovery i've been i'm thirty three years uh, in a few days um i've you know made a ton of mistakes but nothing um that made me want to drink a drug and you learn from every mistake um uh there is help out there there are twenty five million people in recovery in this country alone you know uh not counting the rest of the world and right. um there's so there's so much help right now out there uh you you got to reach out though you have to be the one to reach out um and uh i know for me like during this pandemic i've been um since i'm not really anonymous with that uh i have been you know i post things every once in a while say look if anybody's struggling Mm. and i mean i'm also a recovery coach and a certified counselor right right uh counselor in training i gotta always do the rabbit ears when i say that uh until i get hours who knows if i'll ever get them at this point I always say if you're struggling, I put it on Facebook or Instagram and Twitter. I say if you're struggling with addiction, PM me, and if you want to have a chat, uh, I'm I'm in. You know, yeah, because you know, that helps me too. You know, it helps me to 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 be helpful. Right. And And meanwhile, like hopefully, a lot of people hear something in this in sobering times that they you know may need to hear, and maybe it'll push them along a little bit. That's my job. I'm not preaching. There's no preaching. I, I hope you agree with me. There's no preaching on this record.
0: Yeah, I agree. I it's, do agree with that. It's, it's it, about it's hope, just, too. It's it's filled with a lot of hope, um, not just in yeah, songs and, like and, Life is and then Good. Throwing and
1: throwing the cards on the table. It's like, yeah, Life is Good. Yeah, yeah. That's, I hope that doesn't, because it's at the end of the record, doesn't get lost because it's a pretty cool rock and roll song. Um, I mean, something's got to be at the end. <laughs>
0: Well, it has a great message about you talk about finally liking and loving yourself, and that's needed before you can help others, right? Um,
1: Yeah, and the message in there is it ain't it ain't perfect, but it's better than it used to be.
0: Right. (laughs) Exactly. That's
1: basically the message of life is good. So the point is, um, I hope people get something out of it that I've intended for them to get out. Like I just, all my job is to put the truth out there, uh, you know. um, And basically, I try to make a solution in every song. You know, it's, 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 I try to end it with some sort of positive note and, and the rock, you know, the, it rocks like hell. So it rocks like a bitch, as somebody said. So Um, if someone, if someone
0: doesn't want to go out to the record store, um, where they could just go to your website, right. And order it.
1: Yes, just go to rickybird.com and you could get it in all variables except for vinyl right now. And like I said, it'll be up on and running on all kinds of you know the, the platforms, right? online portals, at, at soon. I'm working on it. I want to do it right, so. uh But meanwhile, just come to my uh, rickybird.com and and yeah, you, you get a signed copy, you get handwritten lyrics, you know, whatever. There's all different you know price points and stuff.
0: Oh, you need the lyrics. And
1: once again, like I said, man, when I go to treatment facilities, I just bring a stack and give them away.
0: Yeah. Well, thanks for taking the time to, to be on the podcast.
1: Uh, I appreciate it, okay, man. It's always I great you, talking uh, to you. Spending time with me, and uh, uh, I hope everybody is safe out there and continue doing the... Uh, if, if you're struggling, uh, if you're in recovery, just keep doing the deal, baby. Yep. You know, if you're struggling, reach out for help. And uh, everybody just, like, Keep keep, uh, keep being safe. This is a yeah. tough time. You know, we'll get through it together. Yeah. Thanks,
0: brother. Ricky Bird, it's always a pleasure. Congratulations on your new album Sobering Times. I wish you all the best of luck. Don't listeners, don't forget to go to rickybird.com. That's rickybyr D.com and pick up the new album Sobering Times. He'll autograph it for you as he talked about. And don't forget to go to goldminemag.com for exclusive content and a percentage off subscription price. That's both print and digital. You can pick up the print magazine at Barnes & Noble, select Barnes & Nobles, and books a million stores. Also select record stores. They're in our record store directory. For now, thank you, and we'll see you next time on the Goldmine Podcast. Bye now.